0: i not touch it anymore. Okay, the first reading, uh, second reading is from Luke, uh, chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. You can follow up there or um, grab your Bibles out as well. Okay, so verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary is greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favour with God. You will be with a child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus.
1: Thanks, uh, Trish, for reading God's word to us this morning. Uh, Let's come to him in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's given for us, Lord, to know you better and to serve you better, Lord. Father, we pray that you give us attentive hearts, Lord. Take away from our hearts and minds distractions as we come under your word that you would speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Friends, if you want copies of the uh, uh, transcripts of the sermon, uh, please see me. There are some copies that I've given out this morning, but uh, if you want any other copies uh, after service or whatever, if you want a copy during the sermon as well, let me know. I can uh, get some copies out for you. So, Well, um, this morning we will begin a short series, Preparing Your Heart for Christmas. How should we prepare our heart for Christmas? It's a good question, isn't it? Christmas, as we know, is a busy time of the year. Uh, Just on Friday, uh, Rose and myself, we sat down together and mapped out our diary for the next coming days. And we worked out a strategy as to how we're going to handle all of the commitments that we have family commitments, uh, get togethers church functions. And I must say, our diary is pretty full. And I'm sure it is with you as well as you plan the days ahead. Uh, How should we prepare uh, for Christmas? It's a busy time of the year. There are parties, shopping, family get-togethers. Have you already had your family get-togethers? Some of you? No? Well, we had ours uh, yesterday with extended family. Uh, Others are still uh, coming up, I believe. So, um, perhaps you've done your Christmas shopping, I'm not really sure. Uh, we got our Christmas services, and the list goes on. And so in the business of this time, how do we prepare our heart for Christmas? Well, this morning, we will look at uh, Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38, where we have this very fascinating and remarkable account of an encounter a young teenage virgin had with an angel. The story is Perhaps very familiar to you. You may have read this chapter many times. And you might ask the question, well, what are we to learn this morning from this passage? And as I was preparing this message, I was quite amazed again by this most incredible account that we see in God's Word. Recorded for us by Dr. Luke. And the more you read it, I trust that you'll be amazed at God's amazing miracle that we see uh, in in the Christmas story. This text is, as I have put in my notes, supercharged by God's grace. It is supercharged by His amazing grace, as we will see in a moment. And so today, as we look at this passage, we're going to look at it under these three headings. The messenger, the message, and the method. Three points here this morning. The messenger, the message, and the method. Well, keep your Bibles open to Luke chapter 1, please. Well, Luke begins his gospel with the story of two conceptions. Conception miracles that we have here. One is for Elizabeth. An amazing uh, situation there. Elizabeth was barren. But yes, she was given a message by the angel Gabriel as well. And there was a child that she was going to bear. And then we have the other message as well, which is a miracle that was going to take place in the life of Mary. One was by natural means, the other by a supernatural means. That's the context that we have this passage here this morning. And so we have the messenger, verses twenty six to twenty nine, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So Elizabeth already been six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. And we can read that passage there to verse twenty nine. Chapter one hundred twenty six in Luke, chapter one hundred twenty six, the, the messenger is identified as Gabriel. Now, Gabriel, friends, was the same angel who came a few months earlier to the priest Zacharias with the news about John the Baptist. Gabriel is one of two angels who are actually named in the Bible. The other is Michael. And now, Gabriel is God's supreme messenger. He brought some very important and crucial announcements from heaven. We see him mentioned in the book of Daniel. When a child, for example, is born in a royal family, the paparazzi is really involved in that whole process. Are they not? They are running around trying to get photos. What would be the baby's name? What would be this child? Would it be a boy? Would it be a girl? The birth of any child in any family is indeed special. Notice that, the, the, that Gabriel here brings a message direct from the throne of God. And we need to see that this morning. Luke chapter 1 verse 19. And the angel answered it I am Gabriel. That is the angel speaking to Zacharias now. I am, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. So the angel Gabriel is at the throne of God, in the presence of God, and he is dispatched from God's presence right to this uh, this girl called Mary. Get that. An important message. He comes to a town that was obscure and outside to the outside world. He visits Nazareth, a poor, out-of-the-way village. Nazareth drew no visitors I don't think it had a tourist center I don't think there was anything particularly attractive in Nazareth That's why I think Nathanael said this in John chapter 1 verse 46 Nathanael said to him can anything good come out of Nazareth Can anything good come out of Nazareth Philip said to him, come and see. Now, you might look at some towns or some suburbs here in Victoria and you might say, well, can anything good come from that place? I don't want to name any suburb here this morning. (laughs) I'll be in big trouble, right? But I look at that suburb and say, can anything good come from that place? That is just an absurd place. I wouldn't even live there if they gave me a house to live in that place anything good come from Nazareth so this is how Nathaniel viewed Nazareth can anything good, any, any good thing come out of Nazareth and so Luke identifies this town this town Nazareth by connecting it to the region of Galilee, you see Galilee was on the north of Jerusalem and so let me give you some quick information here about Galilee, which I think is worth noting, is that Galilee was not the center of Jewish culture It wasn't the center of Jewish culture. Galilee tended to be more Gentile, with a significant non-Jewish population. And so it's really fascinating, it's really interesting to see that God sent his messenger direct from his presence with an amazing message to a part of Israel that had many non-Jews. To a Gentile-focused population. One writer puts it this way. We can almost paraphrase God's intention this way. My son will come to a family from Nazareth in Galilee because he will be the savior not only for for all Jews who believe, but also of believers from every tribe, tongue and nation. So this place, Galilee, they had non-Jews. Uh, there were foreigners there and God sent his messenger there and here in this town in this town of Nazareth was a young teenage girl 14, 15, 16 years perhaps we don't know exactly but very young whose name was Mary Mary is the Greek from the Hebrew Miriam which means exalted one And we have no information of Mary's background But think about her for a moment She is visited by an angel Any young teenage girls here this morning 13, 14, 15 How would it be An angel visits you (laughs) Why would God have chosen her Out of all women, of all girls Could God have chosen a queen Or a wealthy woman. Instead he chose an unknown young teenager from an obscure village Nazareth. And God says to her through the angel Gabriel. Greetings. You who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. She is highly favored. You are filled with the grace of God. That's why the, 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 that's the word kind of translated there. You are filled with the, with the grace of God. And notice the response that Mary gives in verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this, this might be. You see, because in her mind, angels don't just visit anyone, these angels visit only special people. Why would this angel come? Me. And no wonder Mary was troubled by this encounter. She wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She's troubled. It's the same word that's been used about Zacharias, but here it's a different word. She's the the Greek word here is to be deeply perplexed. To be deeply troubled. What will this greeting or message be? So we have the message 30 to 33. But the angel said to her. Do not be afraid. Notice the words of assurance to Mary. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and listen to the message. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And he will and he will be great. Will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over, the, over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, in that verse alone, how many messages can you go on from that? Think about it. It's pressure packed here, isn't it? It's, it's a packed message. She shall conceive in her womb Mary's... Think about Mary. As I was writing this sermon, I was thinking about it. What would a young girl think at this point in time? Think about Mary for a moment. Mary's world, in a flash, is turned upside down by this message. She was engaged to a man named Joseph. Engagements are great announcements, right? When we hear a couple uh, announce their engagement, what are we looking forward to next? The wedding. The next question that comes up naturally is, so when is the big day? Right? And we celebrate engagements. We celebrate the good news of a couple getting engaged to be married. And here was Mary who was engaged to a man named Joseph. And Joseph, the Bible tells us, was a devout and godly man. You see, engagement at that time was different from today. You see, today you make a commitment at a, by getting engaged someone but you can walk away from it, from the engagement. But at the time an engagement was a binding commitment. Many formalities would have taken place between Joseph and Mary. Many they would have signed documents about their readiness well and an engaged couple at the time was almost as if they were married except that they had not consummated their relationship until marriage itself. And so Mary and Joseph and their families would have been making all the plans for the day of the wedding. Anyone who's got married, you know that. And for girls especially, you'd have made all those plans, getting ready for the big wedding day. What dress would... Think about Mary. What dress would she wear? Uh, What would Joseph wear? Uh, What would the... Who would be in the bridal party? Who are my friends who are going to stand alongside me? Who's going to plan this big celebration? Because the Jewish wedding was a massive celebration. The town would come into the place. They would invite their neighbors, uh, everyone else around us. Because that was the culture of the time. We we kind of, in Australia, we live in a different kind of an environment. For those of us who are migrants, uh, you would know what I'm speaking of. If you are in a little town, like I grew up in Sri Lanka, we knew all our neighbors. We would walk into their homes. There was no giving a call and saying, hey man, can I come and visit you? There were no, no calls like that. We would just turn up, we would rock up, and we would sit down and have a cup of tea. We know our neighbors. We go in inside each other's houses, we share our food, we know them very well, and we walk them for functions, street parties. It's very different here in Australia, isn't it? We have people now living behind remote control garages, remote control doors, and they come in and they drive in, and the remote control garage door goes, and you don't see them coming out. They have gardeners, so you don't see. I don't see some of my neighbors. There are remote-controlled people. You see, the culture at the time was different. People would come together and celebrate. It was a massive thing. Uh, for, for the for for the neighbors as well. What about the parents? What about Joseph's family? What about Joseph himself? How is she going to explain to Joseph, the man she loves and wants to be married to, that she is going to conceive? You see, in Deuteronomy, the penalty for breaking the engagement was stoning by death. Would Joseph disown uh, disown uh, her? You see, Joseph was a godly man. Look at what we have in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. And the husband, Joseph, being a a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. You you, you can see that, right? The text. His love for Mary. It was about Mary. It was about her her shame. He, he, He didn't want to shame her publicly. He wanted to divorce her quietly and move out of the scene. He wanted a quick divorce. Imagine the pressure on this young couple. And suddenly, in the midst of Mary and Joseph's marriage plans, Gabriel visits Mary. And now there is confusion. And there is chaos that's brought into the life of this young teenage girl. And no wonder Mary was deeply perplexed. Wouldn't you? Put yourself, any young girl here this morning, you are planning your wedding day in the next six months or three months, And suddenly, you you find yourself pregnant. So she is to be, there must have been a mixture of joy and confusion. She is to be the mother of the Son of God. What an honor, what a privilege. In her womb, this child will be conceived. This child will bear her physical characteristics. This child will bear her features. Maybe the color of her eyes. I don't know the color of her skin, her complexion. And everything that goes with it, because whenever a child is born, some people will say, Oh, that child has got the eyes of his mother or her mother. And look at the hair. Well, maybe I can't speak about that, but it doesn't matter. Look at the color of their hair. Hmm. Like the mother, like the father, the features. So this child is going to bear her physical characteristics. But there is more, notice the specifics of this message. You will conceive and give birth, verse 31, to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and so forth as we see. And Mary, the baby is already given a name. You don't need to look at uh, baby books, name books and everything else. The name is given. His name will be Jesus. In Hebrew, it is Joshua, which means Savior or Deliverer. And Mary, don't be afraid, for your child will be Savior and he will be also your Savior. He will be great because, you know, Jesus is great, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 1, 3 and 4, look at that text. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he opposed the universe by his word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat at the right hand of the majesty of uh, on, on high. You see, he a very imprint, exact imprint of God himself. The, the radiance of the glory of God. See, John Piper puts it this way on the greatness of Jesus. There is nothing that Jesus cannot do a thousand times better than the person you admire most in any area of human endeavor under the sun. Words fail to fill the greatness of Jesus. Do you see that? (laughs) There is nothing that Jesus cannot do a thousand times better than the person you admire. Do you admire people? (laughs) Do you admire their achievements? Do you admire and say, Wow, so and so is remarkable. Uh, She's a great painter. He's a great sportsman. He is this or she is that. He's a great physician. He's a great palmer. Whatever it is. Piper says, There is nothing that Jesus cannot do a thousand times better than the person you admire most. Notice, friends, the method, this is so crucial in this passage, 34 to 38. Mary said to the angel, "How will this be? Since I am a anyone? A virgin? How will this be? How will this be? That's the question, isn't it? That's the, that, that, that's the crucial part of this passage as well. How will this be? Because I'm a virgin. I can't have a child. I've not had any sexual relations with Joseph. How am I going to bear a child? How is this possible? It's simply not possible. How can a virgin have a child? We don't understand the mystery of this incarnation, but certainly we see a miracle taking place, don't we? We may not understand the mystery, but we see a miracle. Mary did not either. So she asked, how will this be? She was seeking clarity. And Gabriel says this. (laughs) Powerful statement. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy. The Son of God. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is a divine creative act of God himself. By the Holy Spirit, this child will be conceived. Why? Have you asked the question why? Why couldn't Jesus be born in the natural circumstances with Joseph? In Correct. <laughs> That's the answer. <laughs> because he would have been born in sin. You see, because Jesus, I want to make this statement very clear, your friends. Because Jesus must be free from all original sin. Correct? And therefore Mary cannot bear him from a man. Because if she was to bear him from a man, she will conceive a child that is born in sin. In sin did my mother conceive me. We are all born as sinners. We are born the Death on a DOA, that is death on arrival, spiritually, that is. None of us are perfect. And yet God sends His Son to be born. Now, this is, must be hard to, to kind of work out. How could this be? Who is this Jesus? what has He come? What has He done? How could He be born in a virgin? I can't perhaps work this out, you might think. It's a mystery. It's a miracle. But it's, it's packed. With meaning. Because God is sending His Son unpolluted. He is not polluted with original sin. Because if He was, He would be a sinner just like you and me. And what's the purpose of a sinner dying on a cross to redeem another sinner? It doesn't get us anywhere. He would be polluted. Jesus is free from all sin. He is sinless. And in the incarnation, God was working out His purpose in sending His Son into the world. Therefore, the child to be born uh, will be called Holy, the Son of God. Therefore, it's so important, isn't it? It tells us that the conception of Jesus in the Virgin Mary is due to the mysterious work of the Holy Spirit. It also tells us that the divine sonship of Jesus depends on His virgin birth. And Jesus is called the Son of God, the Son of the Most High, is precisely because He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. We will recite the the Apostles' Creed in a a few moments' time. What does the Creed begin with? It begins with those words. Born of the Virgin Mary. You see? And then verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. Friends, there is nothing impossible with God. Yeah? True. How true is that? You see, our minds are compacted. When problems come my way, I try and find out solutions. And I'm blown away. <laughs> and there are times that I, I cry out to this God. I run to Him. Oh God, do it impossible because You are God of all possibilities. You are bigger than me, Right? God has begun in this world. What do we see in this world, friends? Our our hearts are are torn, isn't it, with all the terror and the violence that we see around us. People are being shot dead, being killed, murdered, chaos, confusion. Sometimes the chaos and the confusion is in our own lives. You might be going through some real challenges right now. Perhaps the burden is too big to bear. So many things are upon you, and you can only carry so much, right? And there are times that you just break down, haven't you? And you cry out to God, this is too much for me. And Mary was deeply perplexed and troubled as a young teenager, and, and God sends this angel, and he says, "For so nothing is impossible, with this God. All things are possible, Mary, because God is going to be with you, Mary. The Spirit is going to be with you, Mary. And God is going to do a work in your life, Mary. That's our lives. (laughs) You see, sometimes even as a church, we can compartmentalize our God, can't we? When I think and pray for you, brothers and sisters in Christ, we pray for you every day. I'm sure you're doing as well for the church. And I always say, and I say, Lord, the church is bigger than Christ, Whether it's bigger than the elders. It's bigger than all of us. Because our God is a powerful God. Do things that only you can do at St. Stephen's. Display your power in all your glory. In your church. Not just here, but around the world. And as we look at the events of this world. It should drive us to this God. To know that our God. In His sovereignty makes things happen. And we can trust Him because He is the God of all possibilities. It opens up a new world, does it not? As you trust Him. And say, Lord, You are the God of possibilities. As we will see as we work our way in this text. You see, what a re- and, and, and notice the response of Mary. Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to Your word. And the angel departed from her. What a response. You see, Mary believed. Mary trusted God. Notice the word behold. Relinquishing all this, this, this expresses the offer of her entire being. That's, that's the word behold that we have in the original. It is saying a servant heart, a surrendered heart, a behold, oh Lord, I belong to you for you to use me. You see, we honor Mary not because she was sinless. We don't worship Mary. We do not worship Mary. We honor her because she was highly favored by God. What a test of her faith. You see, she did not know how to explain all of this. All that she knew was that she is part of God's amazing plan. And what we see here is her submission to God... She surrenders her life to God. She's convinced that with God, nothing is impossible. Maybe a young teenage girl, but she has got a, her theology right. <laughs> is that not the case? She's got her theology right. She hasn't gone to, to a, a theological college. She hasn't been to the PTC or, not that there was a PTC at the time, but... <laughs> She hasn't been under some great Gamal who Rabbi who has taught her. She has understood the scriptures. She has known the old testament. She had read Isaiah seven fourteen. She has understood this God's amazing plan, the Messiah coming, and she submits her life. And she knew that God is omnipotent and she was willing, a willing servant in this passage. So, friends, this morning, we have seen today the messenger, Gabriel. We have seen the message. You've seen the method. So what does this mean to us, to you and me? See, this is one living life with purpose. You see, Mary was considered an ordinary girl from an obscure place, Nazareth, but she surrendered her will to God's will. You may think that you are a nobody. Right? But God will graciously take care for you and myself as we surrender our lives to Him. Correct? Our God is faithful. God can take our littleness in the eyes of the world and even in our own eyes and give us purpose for life. That's what Mary sees. It is by living an intentional life for him. I was thinking about that this morning. I was thinking one day, one day this body will, one day it will die, right? Right? That's a sad reality, all of us will. And I don't want to live my life without serving my Lord. Every day, every breath I breathe, I pray. And I'm sure you would as well for your life. Lord, as long as you give us life, help us to live a surrendered life for you. Because that is the best life to live, correct? If you want joy and peace and grace and sometimes chaos in your life, that's the best place to be, a surrendered will to this God. Mary had no idea where this journey would take her. She said, Lord, I am your servant. Mary is brought into the center of God's plan in history of this world. You see, God can take ordinary people and use it for extraordinary purposes, a surrendered will, because God's will is the best will for us. The second thing we see here is also the faith, isn't it? God gives us opportunities, but along with them will also come testings, correct? You see, as, as a chosen vessel, you will be tested. You, you, if you want to be used by God, you will be tested, friends. Life won't be cozy. We don't want the test, do we? We want the ministry. It, it, it is tempting in ministry as well to say, well, we don't want the, the test, we want the ministry. It's like saying, God, give me a ministry without people. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. Life will have its challenges, right? You are cruising, bang, something will come your way. Next moment, something else will come your way, and you think, whoa, 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 where am I going? There's a test of faith. Mary has put her faith in the faithfulness of her God. God is faithful. So whenever I come my way and your way, you say, God, I am putting my faith in you, the God of all possibilities. I am, even when I am tested, I am solidly putting my faith in your God to carry me through this journey. And God does it, friends, somehow, trusting in his promises, trusting in the power of God. How should we respond to this message about this child, Jesus then? You see, this child is Jesus, He's a savior, he's sinless, He's great, He's the Son of the Most High, He is king. All of this is in this passage, for he will have a throne from his father David, that is greater than David, more than Jacob and his descendants. This kingdom will never end. He is holy, He's the Son of God. There are heaps of things about Jesus here. Wow, what a description of Jesus. You see, I said at the start that this text is supercharged by God's grace. It is full of grace, friends. You see, God is not leaving sinners unto themselves, but intervening out of his grace. He reaches down to us who have sinned against him. This morning, in a few moments, we will celebrate the supper. What are we reminded of? This holy son, this son of God, this child born of a virgin, sinless savior, who gave his life, For you and for me. The joy isn't it to celebrate the Lord's Supper. You see the Virgin Mary will have the privilege and honor to bear this child. Behold I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. The angel departed. How about you? How about me this morning? How do we see Jesus this morning? During this Advent period. As we prepare our heart for Christmas. Can we this morning truly? Praise Him for who He is, our Savior. Amen. Father, we thank You for this incredible passage, an incredible message from heaven, not just to Mary, but to the world. That our Savior... Born of the Virgin Mary, sinless Lamb of God. Lord, help us to prepare our heart this Christmas season as we reflect upon Jesus and who He is, what He's done for us. In Jesus' name, Amen.